0: well good morning redemption arcadia thank you to those of you that have joined us this morning we're so glad you're here and those who are joining us online as well Uh, would you stand and we'll worship together this morning
1: God who comes to save is here to set the cap stop who can stop the Lord have passed. for all that you've done we will pour out our love this will be our anthem song Jesus we love
0: God, we do love you. We praise you that we get to be called your children. We get to be called your church. or that we get to come and gather together to worship you in all your splendor, and all your glory, and all your majesty. God, we praise you for you are good. We thank you for showing your goodness to us. Lord, would you be glorified in all the things as we meet together with you and with each other today. You'd be glorified in all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
2: All right. Good morning, Redemption Church. Good morning. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, team. Well, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the Tylers and one of the pastors here. If you're new here, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, We are one church in 10 congregations throughout Arizona. We're gospel-centered, outward-focused, and believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Before we read scripture and get into it, we've got one thing we got to do, and that is our annual church survey. Yay, survey. Uh, the survey, really what that does is it helps us better target our goals and priorities and ministry efforts in the following year, and in general, equips our elders and pastors to make better informed decisions in regards to the congregation. So you should know this information is anonymous, so this isn't really the time for like feedback. I want a response on this. You can fill out a connect card or email us as usual for that. So what we're going to do is we're going to take six minutes to do this, specifically six, not seven and not five, six. And so what we can do is get your smart devices out now. And if you're watching at home, uh, we'll ask that you to do the same thing with us. So each individual adult, please fill out this form right here, right now. And then when that's done, when the timer is done, Jason, you can come up and do the scripture reading at that point. Okay. All right. So let's do that now.
0: for Oh
3: Good morning, and time's up. Uh, the reading for today's word comes from John 1, 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses is the law and also the prophets, wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these and he said to him truly truly i say to you you will see heaven opened and the angels of god ascending and descending on the son of man this is the word of the lord you may be seated
2: thanks jason and thanks everybody for bearing with us on that appreciate it so once again i'm tyler one of the pastors here uh pastor frank our lead pastor the guy who's normally up here is just getting back today Uh, from a trip with his family, and so we wish him safe travels. I hope he had a restful and joyful time. And so that means I have the joy and the honor and the privilege of opening God's word with you all, and man, I'm excited. So we are now six weeks, including today, into the Gospel of John series. Six weeks already, if you can believe it. We're going to be closing out chapter one today, so you can go ahead and turn there now if you're not already. John 1, verses 35 through 51. Our title for today is, Come and See come and see. Another word we'll be looking at closely is behold, behold, and they stand as both an invitation and as a challenge, and I hope to show you more about that today. Today we're going to get to see the very first disciples commissioned to follow Jesus, which is a a great thing, and we're getting to hear the very first recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. So I'm excited for that. A couple of really quick announcements. I'll make these really quick, but they are important. One, uh, this Wednesday and next, we're doing a parents class. I know parenting in this climate has been just kind of crazy. So we are calling it Parents Ask Anything. It was something we wanted to do pre-coronavirus. So we don't know what to expect, Uh, but the hope is that you'll text in your questions, your thoughts, things that you'd like Frank and I to talk about and then we'll go over it on a Wednesday. So if you can make it in person, it's here in the sanctuary at 6.30. Uh, If you can't, obviously it's gonna be online and you can watch the video afterwards as well. So I hope uh, basically the call to action is start texting in your questions now to give Frank and I a couple of days to process those and think about them. Okay, next one. Next Sunday is our Hope Women's drive-through fundraising event. So Hope Women's Center is a a really great organization. They've been a partner of ours for a long time. What we're doing next week is you can come and get a free meal to go. Like literally just drive through in your car, get the meal and go. And the hope is that you'll bring specific items to donate to the center. And we just want to go over and above to bless them with these items that they desperately need. And of course, you can make a financial donation as well. And like I think Frank said last week, the pastors would be available if you want to pull over and, and have a chat too. We can do that. So that's next Sunday. That's right after the second service. Next week. Last thing, uh, many parents are probably wondering when are we starting kids' ministry again, right? Amen? Okay, I heard a couple. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to start by the end of September. Here's what we need we're looking for 20 volunteers that can serve twice a month. So if you or someone you know is able to, willing to serve twice a month, willing to be background checked and trained and all that good stuff, basically go find Heather. She's in the lobby right there. There she is saying hi go find her introduce yourself and she'll write down your name and bring you through the process So we got to get to 20. That's the magic number to where we can launch this thing and get going And I think I think we can do that, right? Let's do it. Okay, so let me pray and then we'll get going god Thank you for your word It is a lamp unto our feet a light unto our path so god would you show us our own hearts Show us ways that we've been harboring sin and help us to, God, repent of that and turn back to you, God, because you are the source of all that's good. And so um, we pray that you'd be glorified today and that we as sinners would be humbled. And we thank you that we get the gift of reading your word together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to jump right in. Verses 35 and we're going to read through 37. The next day, again, John, this is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Pause right there. Here we have the very first two disciples, followers of Jesus, who were following John the Baptist. They were his disciples. But when he points to Jesus and says, behold, Jesus. They immediately ditch John and they go follow Jesus. And right away, we see the whole point of discipleship right there. Christian discipleship isn't about following anything or anyone other than Jesus. So of course they would have turned from John to follow Jesus. That was the whole point. And our story also begins with our main idea for today. Look at John the Baptist's words recorded. Behold, the Lamb of God. And there's power in that word, behold. It means look, see, yes. It also means keep looking, keep in view this Lamb of God. We've got a lot pulling for our attention these days, don't we? I don't know about you, but I tend to get exhausted or overwhelmed by just the amount of bad news sometimes. There's so much bad news around, in fact, that this year I heard a new term. I don't know if it's brand new, but I heard it this year. Have you heard of doom surfing? Doom scrolling, okay? That's a thing now. Basically, it's where you're compelled to go deeper and deeper into hard, depressing news, and you can't stop. It's like a car crash. You just can't look away. Officially, it's defined as an excessive amount of screen time devoted to the absorption of dystopian news. And with the access to the news being always within arm's reach, it's easy to do anywhere, anytime. But is it good to do? What is it doing to our collective psyche to do these things? Psychology Today has an article titled, actually from 2019, which is interesting, called You Are What You See, which explores the connection between negative media and its impact on our psychology. And obviously they're playing off of that, you are what you eat, that old adage there. In fact, one of the quotes there, they say, just as you are what you eat, you are what you see. In other words, as important as good food and nutrients are to the body, good positive images and the time we spend looking at those versus bad news has an impact on our psychology and the makeup of our brains. Is it any wonder then that depression and anxiety, even suicide are on the rise? And so we're looking for good news. And interestingly enough, funny videos don't scratch that itch, they don't solve the problem Watching fail videos of someone trip and fall and get hurt, that doesn't solve it. What does help is more positive videos like a homeless veteran receiving the care he needs. Watching videos like that tend to have a really positive impact on your outlook. And so no wonder John Krasinski's from The Office, he played Jim, he had that network show called Some Good News. Many of us probably saw that. It was so popular. It only released 14 episodes, but each one got between two and 14 million views each video. And you only put out 14. We are hungry for some good news because we're being bombarded by the bad. And if you're like me, you tend towards the ab- more avoidance type behaviors, checking out entirely from the conversation and the doom. And some dive all in. They compulsively go down those deep holes searching for bad news to see just how bad has it gotten today. What's the next thing, hence doom scrolling? But the answer in the article isn't the full answer. The answer was, well, let's balance them. The negative images we see, the negative news, with some good news, the positive images. And that is important, but it's not the full picture. The full picture was given in John's words here to us, behold the Lamb. It's this Lamb of God. It's beholding, keeping in view Jesus The world around us needs to know this good news. Amen? My hope is that we begin to see verse 35, not just as a declarative statement in this narrative, but as an imperative statement from the author to you and I today. Behold, keep in view this Lamb of God. Keep your eyes on him. See his face. Hear his voice primarily. And in our next verses, we have his first recorded words to us. Let's read verses 38 and 39. Jesus turned, saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about the 10th hour, which is around 4 p.m. So notice the very first words that John, the author here, wants us to hear from Jesus is this. What are you seeking? These words are an invitation from Jesus to know his disciples. I think he's genuinely curious. It's also an invitation to be known, to enter into relationship with this one questions. And these words echoes to today, to you and I. What are you seeking? Because whatever it is, The ultimate fulfillment of whatever you're seeking is Jesus himself. It's Jesus himself. Now, notice their answer, it's kind of strange, isn't it? They almost ignore the question. They, like, bypass it to say, well, where are you staying? Where are you staying? What are you seeking? Well, where are you staying, though? Let's start there. But their response, in their response, is their answer. They're saying, we want to be where you are. We want to be near you, Jesus. Where are you staying so we can come with you? Not, well, tell me about this doctrine first. What's your stance on this or that? Where do you land on that? That wasn't their first response to him. It's, where are you staying? Now, it could be one commentator thought, maybe, they're saying, we want to know where you're at so that at a more convenient time, we can come by and visit you. Just got to wrap up a few things here, and then we'll come by But look at Jesus' response to them. He says, no, come now. Come and see now. Not later. He asked them to abandon their plans and come with him right there and then. And their plans seemingly were flexible enough to allow that. Are ours, are our plans flexible enough? Are our schedules so blocked up and busy that we couldn't do what these disciples did? Is there room in your calendar for God? Is there room to come and see if Jesus said this to you, would your answer be, well, let me check my calendar 1st got a lot of commitments. i got to do that stuff first. Where are your priorities? The Africa Bible Commentary says this, having time for one another and above all for Jesus is a priority we must strive to keep. Having time for one another and above all Jesus is a priority we must strive to keep. We need to keep room in our lives for the priorities of Jesus room to respond to his invitations to come and see. So one of the two who followed Jesus, look again at verse 40 and we'll read through 42. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So Jesus looked at him. Their invitation was to come and see, and hear. Jesus sees Simon. There's an intimacy and deep knowledge that Jesus is showing, and it's just loaded in these words. And he gives Simon a new name, which is a really important thing. Jesus is showing, by renaming Simon, he's showing his full power and knowledge and uh, over Peter's past, present, and his future. Jesus is showing his mastery and knowledge of these men. And this was an important practice in Jewish culture. Names often revealed something of the character of the person or the future of the person. Jesus is saying to Peter and to us, I know you. I see you. This is who you truly are. Now names are important today too. We name our kids in this way often because it's a proclamation of values or hopes over the child and it's a sacred thing. And sometimes it's just we like the name of the sound and we don't know about the meaning as much. But like uh, my daughter, Eleanor Grace. Eleanor is um, God's light, um, bright shining one. My son, Roland William. Roland is named after my grandfather. William's after my wife's grandfather. Roland means famed land, William's like protector, but the names don't always mean a whole lot. They can't all be winners is what I'm saying. Take, for example, my name, take my name and and Tyler Thompson's name, unfortunately. Tyler means literally a maker of tiles, so tile-er, that's literally what it means, so yeah, they can't all be great, but Simon gets the name Peter, which means rock, a rock, Later, Jesus says to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And Peter doesn't know this yet, but Jesus does. And this is all in the first day. Day two continues in verses 43 through 46. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. So Philip, notice, was directly called. The first two just saw Jesus walking by and chased after him. He went after Philip, called him, and Philip obeyed. Philip obeyed, follow me, okay, I'm there, I'll do it. And then notice he immediately becomes a witness of Jesus, immediately. Notice he was brand new to this. He knew of Jesus, he knew what the Messiah was going to be, but he didn't really know Jesus. He didn't know everything he was going to know, certainly. We are called to be witnesses of Jesus church, in the power of and because of the power of Jesus. No matter our maturity level, no matter our ability, disability, anything, we are called to be witnesses of Jesus. And notice, it's Philip's obedience, not his knowledge, that bears fruit. His obedience to Jesus in being a witness is what bears fruit by Nathaniel coming. His invitation, come and see. The same word we heard Jesus say. That's the power was his obedience, not his knowledge. Discipleship, this is what it is. It's witnessing to Jesus. It's answering Jesus' invitation, come and see for ourselves, and then turning and telling someone else, come and see. Come see. Now, we're doing a, um, a study as a church, and this is like a redemption-wide thing, called the Person of Jesus study. And this is the whole goal, is to come and see Jesus Learn who he is in the Gospels, um, his personality, his tendencies. And so it's going to be all on Zoom, all online on a Saturday. It's like a a really, it'll be a long day. But that's the goal, is to come and see Jesus. And if you can't make it to this one, that's okay. We're going to be doing more of these. But I wanted to make sure you got that information as well. You can find more about that on our website if, if you missed the information here. So notice Nathaniel's response. It's skeptical, right? In verse 46, it's interesting that we get so much narrative here given to Nathaniel, who wasn't even one of the 12. He was one of the adjacent, probably in that 70 or so, adjacent disciples mentioned in Luke 10. And his reaction, it's, it's funny. It's funny. And all we need to know about that is, is there were a lot of false teachers and negative things that were known to have come from Nazareth. It just had a bad reputation. So to hear the Messiah came from Nazareth, he's going... That place? Really? Now, it seems to me that the reason John's spending this time on Nathaniel is to show how Jesus engages with Nathaniel's skepticism, which isn't mentioned, by the way, in the negative sense. Intelligent skepticism, especially here, is not condemned. So let's see how Jesus deals with Nathaniel's skepticism. We're going to read 47 through 50. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Man, what a powerful phrase at the end there. Look at Jesus' omniscience, his knowledge and power being displayed here. He sees Nathaniel coming and says, I know you. You're one of my true people, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is, uh, you're, you're full of truth. There's no deceit. And Nathaniel seems surprised. Have we? Have we met before? How do you know me? He's skeptical still. He's unsure of who this Jesus is. And then in one more sentence from Jesus, his life has changed forever. So what's with the fig tree thing? What's the significance of, I saw you under the fig tree? Now, the short answer is, we don't totally know for sure, but it is known that people often went, under fig trees because there was good shade and they would go there to meditate and pray, uh, study. So you can kind of maybe piece together that maybe Nathaniel was praying under the fig tree, praying to God. So the fig trees were like our modern coffee shops. Either way, I think the point is this. Nathaniel comes saying, I need to see this Jesus. Jesus says, I saw you, Nathaniel. I was with you when you prayed under that fig tree. Now, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. For Jesus to know that and to say that over him is a miracle. That's why Nathaniel is blown away. So this gospel is going to be full of miracles. We're going to see these again. So it's important that we talk for a quick second about what miracles do and what they don't do. They're not magic tricks to just blow people's minds, right? Although this one did blow Nathaniel away. He doesn't do these tricks, Jesus tricks, to show off. If that was the goal, he just would levitate or something. Nathaniel would be like, hey, are you Jesus? And he'd be like, "Mm, just levitate there. (laughs) People would freak out and he'd get all the followers. That's not what he's trying to do. Remember, miracles are showing the kingdom of God breaking through. Jesus is showing Nathaniel, this is what it's like in my kingdom. I know you. I'm with you. On all those times you think you're alone, you're not alone. I'm with you. And we have that today. We have God's presence with us in the spirit. We are living in the reality of Jesus's miracle here. And meeting Jesus, hearing his words, shatters his skepticism. Nathaniel believes, and he uses three titles of Jesus that we're going to talk more about in a minute. Isn't it funny that Jesus seems surprised that it worked, too? He's like, wait, because I said I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You're going to see greater things than these. Now the language in verse 50 changes around 50 and 51 from you to you. You singular, talking to Nathaniel, to you, all of you listening. So let's read the last part of 50 again and then into 51. Jesus ended with, you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven and opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Jesus, he's saying so much here. He's saying, I I took a deep nerdy dive into all these things, and I'm going to give you the short version of that. I think a lot of it goes right over the heads of the disciples at the time, but Jesus is drawing heavily on Old Testament story here, which they would have understood. He's combining stories of Jacob's ladder from Genesis 28, and then he uses his title, Son of Man, for the first time here. We'll talk about that. That's from Psalms and part of the book of Daniel as well. Now, I think what Jesus is doing here is he is brilliantly making a cosmic statement involving the past, present, and future of his divine identity and the new reality of the kingdom of God breaking through. I think he's making a statement on his divine identity and the new kingdom of God through past, present, and future tense. So let's talk about each one. So past, okay, so he's drawing on the past revelations. So if you, if you would like to, you can turn to Genesis 28. Uh, if not, I'll just, I'll read it up here, but I want to turn. Genesis 28. And just verse 12. So this is in the middle of Jacob's dream. This, you'll see this language. Uh, totally overlaps right here we're going to read verse 12 and he Jacob dreamed and behold there's that word behold again there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God were ascending and descending on it so really clear link They, they would have immediately known oh yeah there's a story with with Jacob there so he's drawing on past story now we won't read it but at, at in verse 19 when jacob wakes up he freaks out realizes oh my I, I was with god god was here this is crazy and he called the place bethel which means god's house now that's important the whole point of the dream jacob wakes up calls the place place bethel god's house we'll talk about that in a second i mean god's house the temple the dwelling place of god a sign to all of God's favor and presence. Okay, now Jesus uses this term, son of man. And that would have rung a bell for them too. Okay, wait, I think there's something in Daniel about that. It's Daniel 7, 1 through 14. And then in Psalm 8, 5, the title, son of man, is used there, which describes this human conqueror, this divine presence and a ruler, but that is also human and divine. If you want to do a deep dive on that, there's a Bible project video called son of man, that was really helpful. we'll talk more about that in a second too. Let's jump into what Jesus is saying about the present reality, the new reality. This is what Jesus is saying. I am the culmination of God's revelatory expressions, all leading up to me. Jesus is saying, I am the new Bethel. He's the new temple, he's the dwelling place of God. I don't think that quite landed with them because later on we see him in the synagogue saying, Destroy this house, and I'll raise it in three days. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? It took us years to build this place. John 3.13, if you flip forward a page or two, you can see Jesus is the place where heaven and earth meet. And this ascending and descending of the angels kind of hints at this ongoing uh, relational aspect between Jesus and the Father. Jesus is on earth, and there's a continual connection back and forth to his divine presence as God. Jesus is where God and humanity meet. Let's talk about this son of man thing. So remember, back in verse 49 of chapter 1, Nathanael, when he believes, he gives three titles to Jesus. He says, Rabbi, that's the first title, meaning teacher, one with authority. He says, you are the son of God. Son of God, second title. Recognizing already his deity. Man, you are divine. I see that already. And the third one he says is, you are the king of Israel the one who'd come and conquer the Roman Empire. And interestingly, Jesus doesn't use those titles to describe himself, he uses son of man. In fact, primarily that's the name Jesus uses for himself more than any other. Now the clearest way I've, I've found to articulate why Jesus is using this title and he uses it so often, I, I found this quote here, Jesus is using this title to avoid the overly politicized Messiah, Son of David, King of Israel, forging his own identity that is sufficiently ambiguous and which conveys overtones of divinity and authority. Isn't that amazing? I love that. He knew the times he was in. He knew the negative connotations that some of those titles could bring, knowing full well one of those titles would be hung above his head on the cross. King of the Jews. So he doesn't deny the titles used. That's important. He doesn't say, oh, no, 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 I'm not the Not that, I'd prefer if you call me this. He doesn't deny those, but he uses Son of Man to describe himself. So past revelation, present reality, a new present reality, and making a a statement about the future hope. Jesus is saying that through him, his disciples will see more of heaven revealed than any Old Testament prophet could dream of. Jacob could only dream this stuff. And this phrase, to see heaven opened, would have been greatly desired by by any of the the writers, any of the the Jewish scholars would have greatly desired that. But sadly, many would miss it entirely. They missed seeing heaven opened in the life of Jesus. And verse 51, again, it just sends our imaginations forward into the culmination of history, where in Revelations 21.3, it says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And behold, that kingdom is breaking in now in Jesus. Now, Jesus' question, what do you seek? Again, is an invitation to know and be known. And the answer is ultimately given in the reply, come and see. Which remains both the answer and invitation for those at any maturity level. We can all come and see Jesus. You want peace? Behold the Lamb of God. You want truth, come and see. You want relationship, friendship, come and see Jesus. You wanna know God, come and see. You wanna know how to love your spouse, your, your children, your friends, better, come and see. Behold and be transformed by beholding. Come read about him on the pages of the Bible and in so doing, you are hearing his voice. See his face in the faces of your neighbors as you love and serve them. As you serve and love actually the least of these, God's word says you are serving and loving Jesus himself. It's an imitation to experience, not just know, to behold Christ. You see, for Jesus, his execution became his exaltation. We see this in John 19, where Jesus, after he was beaten near the point of death, unjustly, Pilate stands Jesus up before the crowd And some translation, he says, behold the man. Other translations, behold your king. He has no idea what a profound statement that was. Jesus being at almost his lowest point of descent at that time. Behold the man. For him, to descend into death on the cross was to ascend victoriously over it. Amen? And for us, to descend to the lowest place. The role of the servant for those around us. To our loved ones and our families, yes. Also to our neighbors, strangers, enemies. To descend towards self-sacrificial love is to ascend and identify with Jesus in that. And church, our question today is, who, what do you behold? What do you spend the most time looking at? There's a word, another word for beholding anything other than Jesus. It's idolatry. Another word for idolatry? Sin. As Christians, we repent of sin. If you're not a Christian, that's your first step. Repent of sin. Turn from it. Turn towards Jesus. It might require a reorienting of your life around these priorities. You might need to find a way to make the first thing you behold in the morning, Jesus, and the last thing you behold at night. Not our phones. Find the rest, find time throughout the rest of the day for that. Now, Hear me, we do need to be able to know what's going on in the news. That is important. But the answers we also desperately need won't come through your awareness of the news stories, but on your dependence on Jesus. We we find answers as we behold him. The question is, will we come and see? No matter the maturity level, will we come closer? Know deeper. Come and see this Jesus and invite others to do the same along with us. Pray with me. God, thank you for the clarity of your word. It just comes through so clearly here. Your authority, your uh, omniscience, your knowledge, your power, Jesus, you are displaying it in ways that we often miss, like the disciples. We, We miss those things sometimes. But here, God, we see you. We behold you. And we also know that you behold and you see us like you did for these men. We thank you that we are known in the kingdom of God. The reality is that in the spirit, we are known by you. What a powerful thing. You know us, you see us. And God, you saw us before we saw you. We're thankful for that as well. So God, lead us and guide us in your word. Help us to love you and love one another well. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, church, we enter into a time of response. We respond in prayer, thankfulness, singing, and communion. In communion, our invitation is not only to come and see this Jesus, but as Psalm 34 says, to taste and see that he's good. Communion is a time for Christians to remember the body and the blood of Jesus shed and broken for us on the cross. This is a central place that we return to time and time again. And we do so with reflection and prayer, repentance, and faith. If you're not a Christian, I invite you to come and see this Jesus for the first time. He's good. He sees you. Come and see him. If you'd like, feel free to contact us when you're ready. We'll be up here. We'd love to speak with you. Um, We'd love to lead you in a prayer and meet you. So let's prepare the elements together now, here in person and for those watching online making ready the bread and wine or juice as we sing. Let's do that now.
4: My eyes in wonder Show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love To those around me
0: Amen, amen Well, we'd like to stay here and worship all day What I want to do is ask the Lord to bless you As you go from here It's been good to be in the house of the Lord together With God and with you guys So we appreciate you coming today And worshiping his name Lord God we praise you that you have Allowed for us to see your goodness You've allowed for us Lord to, to come and see How good you are to us So, God, we respond with praise. We respond with worship. We respond with obedience. That we give our very lives to you, Lord, as an act of worship. That we follow you. So, God, we praise you as our Lord, our Savior, as the one who is good. Thank you for letting us come and see that you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you would. If you would exit out these doors here, let me say this er- ironic benediction over you. This is Frank's favorite, and I, 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 you know, I promised him that while he was gone, we would do a good benediction. So, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord has turn His face toward you and give you peace. Go and live all of life all for Jesus. Thank you, friends.